Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to be with you another Wednesday evening, reflecting into the life of, and thought of one Pope Francis. This is what we are about here on Wednesday evening. And as usual, I have Bob Cross joining me to reflect upon this great man. Bob, it is great to have you with me another evening. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you. So what we do each and every Wednesday, Bob, is we reflect upon where Pope Francis is in the news. And then, as many of our listeners know, we get into his first major document that he penned, Joy of the Gospel. And we do have some things to talk about, once again, this Wednesday evening as it relates to where he's in the news. And maybe what the news media is reporting about him and what they're writing about him. You know, we have been talking about here on the radio program, Bob, that uh, it's only a matter of time where people will begin to use the phrase, uh, his honeymoon is over. Well, uh, so it is, apparently, for some. (laughs) Pope Francis is definitely trying the patience of some of the impatient media who um, were almost willing this man to be um, something other than what he is, and that's... He's uh, in the succession of the of uh, the apostolic tradition of of the, at the See of Peter. I mean, he is um, he's the Pope for a reason. I mean, yeah. and he was there by virtue of the Holy Spirit, and he is his like I said, trying the patience of some of the media who want him to be want him to change everything that the Catholic Church is all about. And there was a couple of articles just recently over the last week where um, some progressives and it's Washington Post and I think the Huffington Post where. You know, pro- pro-abortion, you know, um, Catholics of all people are getting, you know, a little frustrated with the fact that Pope Francis hasn't changed everything that the church is all about. So it's always interesting to reflect each week on just how the world treats this man. It is interesting to reflect. And something really struck me a, f- a few weeks ago, Bob, and I want to talk a little bit about that now. You know, when Pope Francis was made Time Man of the Year— It wasn't for what he did. If you get into the article, and there was actually a YouTube video out there that was talking about why he was man of the year, it was all but conditioned to what everyone thought he was going to do. And to some extent, people were wondering, you know, is is the secular media trying to pressure him into redefining things? He has no right to redefine. I mean, these are matters that are in, in sacred scripture. They are matters that are tied to our Lord's words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and the church is called to bear witness to this truth, which is unchanging, um, binding, and absolute. So certainly he's not going to change that. He said, I am a son of the church. So it was only going to be a matter of time. And I, it just really struck me that I can't ever remember someone being uh, named man of the year for something that he has never done. You know, you, you think about it, it, yet this kind of projection upon what they hope to be done. As we are talking about it now, what this all sets us up for is disappointment. 
if we are not rooted in understanding who this man is, and you spoke to it well, by virtue of the Holy Spirit, the office he holds, um, we are going to be disappointed. And we are here each and every Wednesday evening, Bob, to reflect upon what this man is about. And as we talk from one week to the next, we get into the joy of the gospel so as to, to better understand him. But I do want to make a few um, brief points as it relates to the danger, what happens to us if we continue to convince ourselves of Pope Francis being a man that he's not. It's first this need to continue to project this man uh, that doesn't exist for the sake of protecting ourselves. John Paul II once said, an excuse is worse than a lie because it's a lie guarded. What I have seen in some circles already with Pope Francis is this constant projection of this man who doesn't exist and not reporting all of these wonderful things that he's doing, these things that he's saying as it relates to, you know, the abortion industry, as it relates to um, marriage, as it relates to all these hot-button topics. He's been clear on this front. But, you know, drive-by media, the way they operate, they just kind of selectively pick and choose. And it's only going to get worse. And what happens, and this is the big fall, what happens is once it comes to pass, Bob, that this man is who the Catholic Church has said he is, <laughs> there's huge, huge disappointment, and there's a huge fall for a lot of people. And then they feel betrayed, as if Pope Francis has betrayed them. He's always been truthful. He's always been honest. He's always been the man that you and I know he is, a man of integrity. He realizes his shortcomings. He realizes his weaknesses. But he's still a son of the Church as a Pope, and he's going to always stand by the fullness of truth. So then for the drive-by media to project, Bob, these things that are just untruths, confusing a lot of people. We talked a couple months ago about his words as they relate to the sin of uh, journalism, not reporting the facts and how dangerous that is. And so in the end, my point here, Bob, is we need to get to know the man. And if we have misunderstood him, just recognize that for what it is. And if we are not willing to report the truth, then stop reporting anything because you're only causing more damage. And if it's about um, trying to create this caricature of a pope because of your own belief system, I would just encourage you to look in the mirror and ask yourself, why? He is who he is. The church is what it is. And seek to understand it for what it is and not for what it is not. I think that's a very, very, very key point here because it's, it's not just about getting to know the man. It's getting to know your church mm -hmm. and understanding what his position is in relationship to the church. And again, as you, as you clearly you know, indicated, you know, um, the media was hoping for something that, that was going to be hope and change, you know, that we heard a lot about here in this country. But this is a man for the church, the universal church, the Catholic church around the world, who is addressing the needs of many, many cultures, but the culture that we're, that's prevailing now. And mm -hmm. he is being called to deal with the issues. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about a lot of those tonight. But the point is, is that get to know the man, mm -hmm. get to know your, your faith. And I think that's what he asks us to do. As we get into the document, you know, the joy of the gospel, we get to know him and what he thinks. 
we also get to understand and reflect back on what we understand about the church itself and what he can and what he can't do mm-hmm. in relationship to the church and his position. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you mentioned the word culture, Bob, so let us jump into this subsection uh, that is titled Challenges to Enculturating the Faith. Now, the word enculturating is kind of a big word. You know, what does that mean? Um, enculturation was a word I know that was very important to um, Pope John Paul II, who we now know as St. John Paul II. Um, so what does that word mean? Well, what does the word culture mean? You know, typically we define culture, Bob, as, well, something that relates to uh, belief systems, economic structures. Uh, we think of health care. You know, we can talk about culture as it relates to dress and, and, and lifestyle. And this is how people think as it relates to culture. But we must always remember the importance of words, that words have meaning, and that meaning reveals something about what the word is intending to tell us. And the word culture, in its Latin base, cultus means to worship. In fact, if you get underneath that word, it actually means to till or to retill the ground. And so if you take a step back and think about that, Bob, yeah, I mean, what we see out there in the culture is only a reflection of how we spend our time inside of our homes and how we spend our time and what we spend our time with. Because ultimately, it goes back to that great proverb of what you feed grows. The more you spend time with something, the more you're you're going to want to spend time with that thing, right? And we begin to idolize it. We begin to worship it. Suddenly, what happens, Bob? We go out there into the culture, and we begin to reflect the thing that we were spending so much time with. What is a for instance here, Bob? I mean, well, let us just think about uh, American popular culture. I mean, uh, maybe we are a big uh, 49ers fan. I mean, how big of a 49ers fan are we? Are we so wrapped up into the team that all we're doing is dissecting what this team looks like in season and out of season? That all we can think about is the San Francisco 49ers? That we dress ourselves with all of the colors and the insignias and and the rest? That all people see in us is the San Francisco 49ers? You know, I mean, have we become a culture that has been reduced to just fanaticism? Remember, that fan is just short for fanatic, right? I mean, is this what we've been reduced to as a culture? You know, and I'm not saying it's wrong to be a fan of a sports team, but again, temperance is a cardinal virtue for a reason. It brings balance to our lives, and we always need to keep check with this. How are we spending our time? What uh, Pope John Paul II says is, Now, let's think about this. Let's spend time with Jesus Christ. Let's retill the soil with seeds of truth, the seeds of Jesus Christ, and begin to enculturate the gospel message of Jesus Christ with the person who has given themselves to Jesus Christ. So, in the end, what John Paul II wants us to see is we need to go into our cities. We need to go into uh, the the downtown marketplace and begin to evangelize Jesus Christ and watch what happens. Watch what happens. See how people begin to think differently. See how people begin to act differently. See how slowly and surely culture begins to reflect something other than the culture of death, which is just the absence of love, and the culture of life which is love integrated. 
You see, this is what enculturation is about, bringing Jesus Christ to the marketplace uh, and planting new seeds. Sure, and, and who better to speak on that subject than the man who was, um, you know, he was of the slums. Mm-hmm. He was working with the poorest of the yep. poor. Yep. You know, in, in his life prior to becoming, you know, the Pope. So as he reflects on culture or enculturating, he's t- speaking from a perspective of somebody who has been there at the grassroots level, who's been dealing with people who have nothing to give back, that were very, very desperate. Yeah, I mean, what was the line that we read last month from the joy of the gospel? Get your shoes dirty. Right. Know the smell of your sheep. This is what enculturation is about, Bob. I mean, are we going to be able to retill the ground without getting our shoes dirty? No way. He gets enculturation at its very heart, at its very core. And that's what I love about him. Yeah, put well, Bob. What better man to take the baton from Benedict XVI, who took the baton from Pope John Paul II, to show us what enculturation is about? Amen to that. And so we have this... Uh, document this exhortation that really is what it says it is an exhortation a challenge to get our shoes dirty and to start to know the smell of of the sheep sure and you know if we want to read paragraph 68 it's the second chapter challenges to enculturating the faith reads this way the christian substratum of certain peoples most of all in the west is a living reality Here we find, especially among the most needy, a moral resource which preserves the values of an authentic Christian humanism. Seeing reality with the eyes of faith, we cannot fail to acknowledge what the Holy Spirit is sowing. The the word humanism and and phrase Christian humanism speaks to how Jesus Christ, Bob, reveals to us what it means to be fully man. Essentially, he reveals to us not only how to be better human beings, but in, in being better human beings, how to learn from the divine, how to lean upon Jesus Christ. You know, I was uh, had uh, got new, new cell phones the other day, Bob, and we were having this conversation about the, what are the iPhone 5Cs and iPhone 5Ss? Um, this is all new language to me personally. My <laughs> wife is very much into this. And, you know, she looked at my old phone and she said, well, well why didn't you get a an iPhone last time, it only would have cost you like five, six dollars more. And I said, you know, and I'm just a simple person. I don't really need a whole lot. The more I get, the more I'm responsible for. She, she kind of looked at me and she, what do you mean? And I said, well, I just, you know, less is more for me. And I didn't want to make a big deal of it. And, but she persisted and she said, look how, and this struck me, this struck me, look how far we have come as a human race. Look at this technology. This is amazing stuff. Don't you want to be a part of this? I thought, Huh. And it, it took me directly back to John Paul II's line from Familiaris Consortio, his, his apostolic exhortation on the family, when he said that history is not some series or progression of events towards what is better based upon what we can do with uh, technology, but it's an event of freedom, a struggle to love, a way of looking at how our freedom rooted in Jesus Christ, allows us to become better human beings. That was the essence of what John Paul II said in Familiaris Consortio. Not that I dropped that on this young lady from Target, but I couldn't help but think, you know, is what it means to be human and fully human about 
being a part of today's technology, yeah, sure, it helps us to communicate with one another, and we should utilize social media, as we've talked about here, Bob, uh, for the new evangelization. But is this the sum total of what it means to be human, to participate in buying this pretty iPhone 5 with this aqua blue? I mean, this she was pumping up this color, and I'm like, really? <laughs> really? I mean, why can't I just go simple? And she looked at me as if I was less of a human being. This is no exaggeration. And I kind of looked at her. And um, now we don't have the time to get into the conversation that ensued for the next 30 minutes. But the essence of it was there is great value to simplicity. There is of great value to that truth, less is more, Bob, because ultimately it opens us up to begin to understand the words of John Paul II when he says, hey, it is about the struggle of faith in Jesus Christ. It is about being a better human being based upon our faith in Jesus Christ and learn from him based upon what he revealed to us when he, when he was here on earth. So, yeah, Christian humanism is essentially to see Jesus Christ as the sum total of what we are called to be, not some uh, latest iPhone, smartphone, or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't go with the blue? I did not. I went with the very simple, uh, the, the simplest color and the simplest brand. <laughs> oh, you're right. I mean, Pope Francis is here, and, you know, you put it well, Christian humanism is, uh, you know, he's talking about, okay, we're humans, we have our weaknesses, we have our strengths, but, you know, Christian strengths, Christian qualities in our humanism is something that we can celebrate that helps us in this enculturation that he's talking about. Yeah. Bringing out the best of who we are as humans, bringing out the best of what, what God gave us in terms of being human beings. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about all of our faults, but you know, there's a lot of good things mm-hmm. that we represent that God give us the graces to, 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 uh, to bring forth. And, and that's what Pope Francis is, is really focusing on here. That's right. We are created in the image and likeness of God, and to the degree that we come to understand that and really insert ourselves into a living relationship with Jesus Christ, Bob, we will begin to give glory to God. And I like that word you used, celebrate. Our Lord will celebrate with us. There's that great Thomas Aquinas line that every good deed by man is God crowning his own gifts. So it goes on to, to read, uh, to, to say, it would show a lack of trust in his free and unstinting activity to think that authentic Christian values are absent where great numbers of people have received baptism and expressed their faith and solidarity with others in a vari- variety of ways. This means more than acknowledging occasional seeds of the word, since it has to do with an authentic Christian faith which, which has its own expressions and means of showing its relationship to the church. The immense importance of a culture marked by faith cannot be overlooked before the onslaught of contemporary secularism and evangelized culture, for all its limits, has many more resources than the mere sum total of believers. An evangelized popular culture contains values of faith and solidarity capable of encouraging the development of a more just and believing society and possesses a particular wisdom which ought to be gratefully acknowledged. Amen. Yeah, so what is he saying there? There are places where communities have been evangelized, 
and they are a wealth of resources and hope. And we see this in the United States, Bob. Um, there are epicenters across this country that people go to um, for renewal, for restoration, for replenishment of faith in Jesus Christ. And what that becomes then is not only a source of renewal, uh, a source of, uh, for replenishment, but also uh, something to hope in, you know, that we might cross this threshold of hope and not be so down. It's interesting. He talks about most of all in the West. We live in the West, Bob. We should realize and appreciate and be grateful for the resources that we have. Yes, some of those resources come in the aforementioned social media, uh, the circles of social media, but also in places um, that provide resources for us to to evangelize. Um, even if it's the community itself, of just going to a community, uh, living there for a while and being renewed. I can't help but think of a place like Franciscan University of Steubenville. People go there for a period of time and they are renewed. Why? Because they are a, a campus, a university that lives the faith vibrantly each and every day. So it's, it's very much infectious for those who go there to visit. And this is uh, somewhat of an example of what he's talking about here. I mean, there's many levels of it here. But what he wants us to understand is, you know what? There are places in the West and really across the world that are showing us how it's done. And it's just not communities in of themselves, but people who inspire faith within those communities. Essentially what he's saying here, Bob, is the gospel has been enculturated already in some communities, and we ought to learn from uh, how they've gone about doing that. Sure, and I think that we can all, or many of us, have can draw on some experiences where you, when you're in, oh, at, at Mass, and maybe it's a feast day or a solemnity, and there is just um, more of a vibrancy maybe than other times. And... Or when we've gone to a, you know, a conference or a retreat and we've felt the Holy Spirit working within us. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very special. It's, it's that, that aura that's given off by many, many people who have evangelization as a part of who it is that they are. And it actually you know, permeates everyone and everything within you know, reach or mm-hmm. within uh, proximity of it. Yeah, Bob, and... As you were talking about evangelization, the word that's tied to that is witness. And today, uh, July 1st, there's something in the news. Um, an outfit has uh, witnessed to the faith in a very profound way, and that outfit is uh, Hobby Lobby. Sure. I mean, you talk about a, a real development. I mean, here is you know, this, the Green family um, that, if you haven't read about it or followed it in the news, that put everything on the line. I mean, this family put their entire, their entire livelihood, their entire lives, everything that they had, in small business, for the sake of religious freedom. And again, they, um, the Supreme Court ruled today in a 5-4 decision that um, they would be exempt from the Affordable Care Act and having to provide employees with, you know, um, you know abortion-causing drugs yeah. or, you know, contraceptions that yep. cause abortion. Yes. Which is a huge, huge landmark yeah as it relates to people of faith who believe in what they they uh they live the way they believe and they stood behind what they knew to be the right thing 
yeah, it's just not the abortifacients, but just contraceptives in general, right? You know, what's going on here, Bob? I mean, America ought to be viewed in light of its constitutional principles, right? In general, you know, America is viewed in relationship to the Charters of Freedom, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and the Bill of Rights. Rightfully so, Bob, because for it is in the wisdom of these documents that American rights have been secure for over two centuries. I mean, there is genius in the way our forefathers codified man's inalienable rights. I mean, in particular, how the, the inalienable gift of freedom was enshrined in truth. I mean, despite the growing sentiment of American popular culture to view freedom as a license to do what we want, the understanding of freedom as a gift entrusted to us to do what we ought is what our forefathers well understood and why they encoded it into the fabric of our nation's well-being. What needs to be understood here is the importance of freedom as it relates to law. In every regard, freedom is ordered to law. Hence, the Declaration of Independence followed by the Constitution and Bill of Rights, right? Man is only free to the extent that he understands law to be ordered to truth. I mean, we've talked about this before. Without any kind of rule to follow, man's freedom would be sieged by chaos and be left with no more than clutching at, at empty space, Bob. Think about it. What piano player is free if he has not first learned the rubrics of how to play the piano? What mechanic is free to work on a car if he has not first learned the trade of being a mechanic? Only in learning their respective trades will they be, authentic, be authentically free to become the best piano player and mechanic possible. Essentially, freedom is caught up in the language of the truth that is inherent to the discipline that wishes to be practiced. And this is what our forefathers understood. And in the decision today, in that five to four decision, this is what is being magnified, that you cannot impose something that always comes first from within, not from without. All of that being said, Bob, the Green family from Hobby Lobby well understood what I'm talking about right now. I've got to believe that the Holy Spirit inspired within them to bear witness to this truth of freedom that we are talking about right now, that freedom was not going to be imposed upon them, because again, they understand that, uh, yes, as it's a constitutional principle, it's first a gift given to us from God as created in the image and likeness of God. Sure, and I love the way that the Green family responded, you know, to their First Amendment freedoms that were, uh, you know, affirmed by the, the Supreme Court. Um, they said, our family is overjoyed by the Supreme Court's decision. Today, the nation's highest court has reaffirmed the vital importance of religious freedom as one of our country's founding principles. The court's decision is a victory, not just for our family, business, but for all who seek to live out their faith. We're grateful to God and to those who have supported us on this difficult journey. That's from Barbara Green, the co-founder and owner of um, Hobby Lobby. And it's interesting there how she says, you know, it's not just for our family, business, but for all who seek to live out their faith. Yep, that's right. Amen. I mean, the, the church is the larger family of God, and this is what enculturation is about. We are now going to start talking about freedom in a new way. What did I say earlier, Bob? 
we, we, ha- we start having that conversation. New questions lead to new beginnings. And this is what Pope Francis and the Church wants us to see. Let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.